The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Darren has been a real blessing to me. Um, when I got, to, I got to know him when he was at William Jewell, and he was uh, preaching on the street down there at uh, Pennsylvania and Westport Road, Westport and Pennsylvania, right across from Kelly's Bar, uh, preaching the good news of Jesus. And um, and I and I went down with him a number of times and heard him uh, quoting from John three and just quoting scripture. And then people would come over and talk to him, either in a positive way or maybe a combative way. But he was always gracious sharing the good news. Amen. So let's pray before we get into the Word of God this morning. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that your Word is living and active. We thank you that it's not about us, it's about you. And we thank you that you have chosen uh, to communicate with us in words on a page, in words even in rock. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak this morning to us, Lord, and that you would lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, that you'd be glorified, that Jesus would be lifted up in every heart here this morning. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, some of the few words that God has inscribed in rock are the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, as you may or may not know, are a part of um, most catechisms and churches when they want to teach the gospel or the Bible truth, they start with the Ten Commandments and they go one by one through all of those. If you understand historical theology, that's what they do. These are the only words that God wrote on the rock, actually a rock that he himself had hewn out of the, out of the ground for Moses, the Ten Words or Ten Commandments, and then those rocks were thrown down and, and crushed when all the people were living in sin. Very, very soon they drifted away from the Lord. And then Moses had to go prepare two rocks. And then God a second time inscribed the same ten words on the rocks prepared by Moses that time. And those are the ones that were kept in the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, until the Ark was uh, disappeared or wherever it is now. I don't know, maybe in a museum in, in, uh, in Germany somewhere. Who knows? But, uh, but the Lord is good. So what I want to do is before we get in, before we get into the passage, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments for us from Exodus 20, beginning with verse 1. And if you can and would like to stand in honor of the reading of your word, please do so. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
in it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and, the re and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed it, and, and the Sabbath, blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And everybody said, Amen. Please be seated. We have here an expansion of those ten words where God spoke, basically spoke his judgment on humanity. When he, spoke his, when he spoke his law, he also spoke his judgment because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of, this, of these commandments, which is why we need Jesus. Today I'm going to talk about the Sabbath. Ultimately, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace with God. This fourth commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, has divided Christians for, for many, many years. There's many angles I could take at this, and I'm, we're just going to go through the text. But, um, but the fact of the Sabbath, and some people are Seventh-day Adventists who worship on the, on the seventh day, and, and there's different approaches to the Old and New Testaments. The Sabbath is a very interesting, interesting concept, but I'd like to focus on uh, in ver the end of verse 11 where it says, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now at the end of this month we have what's called Hallow Halloween. All Hallows Eve. The Eve to All Saints Day. All Saints Day was a, was a uh, commemoration perhaps started about 609, which would be at the end of the, of the, the rule or reign of Gregory the Great, where they, where they added where they added a day to hallow all the saints, all the, the Virgin Mary and all the saints when, when a certain church was dedicated in Rome. And then it just expanded from there. And it ends up that in honor of the saints uh, that are supposed to be hallowed the day the, on November 1st, we hallow their coming out by having what's called hallow, hallow, Halloween. It's a very interesting concept, but it's a day where we hallow it. We... we, we Make it holy. It's a day set apart. And God in His providence, God who does not need to sleep. I want you to turn here, please, to, uh, to Psalm 121, a psalm that we memorize as children. My parents called it the Traveler's Psalm. Psalm 121, if you have your Bibles with you, it says in Psalm 21, verse 3, He will not allow your foot to be moved, he that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, the Lord does not slumber nor sleep. So here it is, the God who does not need to sleep. He can be up all the time like the Energizer Bunny. He can be up all the time and he doesn't need to rest. He's God. Rest is a rest and the need for rest and fatigue is a part of created, created beings. He's, none, he's uncreated. 
He was never created, but he took a day off. He took the Sabbath off as an example to us. Amen? Six days it took him to create all the world, to do everything necessary for the entire world to be made. None of us are going to do anything more spectacular than that. You're not going to go make money more spectacular than that in any given day of the week, any week of the, of the year. He made the entire world and everything that moves in the sea, in the ocean, on the earth, and in the heavens in six days, and he rested the seventh day. Amen. As we see God's sovereignty over all things, he will provide for you if you work six days and if you rest the seventh. He will provide for you. Part of it is God's sovereignty. Do you trust him just like with your money? Do you trust him with the 10% that you give to him that he'll help you with the 90%? Your 90% in his hands is worth way more than 100% in your hands. I assure you, that's tithing, right? Tithing. Same thing with, with, uh, with, with the Sabbath day. Now it's different. Some people have to work on Sunday for one reason or another. A nurse, someone in food service, or... Or you moms are always working. Did you notice that? And let's look back in your Bible to Exodus 20. The mother's never mentioned here. It says, neither you, the man, nor your sons, nor your daughters, male servants, female servants. You know, moms all are never resting, are they? I heard some noise early this morning. In fact, I was still in bed, my brother. But I heard two of my grandkids were up talking, and they wanted to get out of bed, and you know, mothers are always, always at work, amen? Uh, if, the kids are, if the kids are screaming or yelling or interested in having food or being changed. So, um, so it's very, very fascinating. So the Sabbath, this part of, part of life is our submitting to God. Part of life. This morning I heard the difficulty of restraining the self-will of a two-year-old child. I heard it with my own ears when I was studying for this. And you know what came to me? God, just like a, a loving mother who disciplines her child, happens that her father's on a trip to, uh, on the way down to Florida. They're going down tomorrow. The, the, so she was all by herself, my, my daughter. A mother who's caring for a child, trying to break the will but not the spirit. God, in his ultimate loving mercy, who loves us so much, he knows we are self-willed and stiff-necked and we want to do our own thing, even with the Sabbath day, the day of rest that he's given to us. We want to do our own thing and we fight against it. And he lovingly disciplines us, just like a, a father or a mother lovingly disciplines their children to help them and to encourage them and to bless them, amen? The discipline is not being mean-spirited, but it's so that the children eat their food, or sleep when they should, amen? Or pick up their toys, or whatever the discipline's about at this certain occasion. So God in his love has given us these Ten Commandments for our good. We cannot obey them. You cannot obey them. It's impossible. But guess what? Jesus obeyed them. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. Remember what he said in, in Matthew, Matthew 5? He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law for you so that then he can give you the help so you can live for him and for his glory. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the seventh day and the Sabbath day and, the, and the, the first day of the week, I want us to look, please, 
at, at Romans chapter 14 and a portion about days and why it is that we have to be very careful and guarded not to become judgmental of other people. Each one of us has to decide for ourselves how the Holy Spirit and how the Lord will want us to honor the Sabbath day. We ought not to judge others and to start forming long criteria as to what, how, to, how to honor the Sabbath day. My son, my, we lived in Quebec for, for two years, my wife and I. My son, John, was born there. And um, uh, the Jews that live in Quebec, a certain portion of Jews, they tend to be quite conservative. Uh, in French, when you l turn on this light switch, they don't use the word turn on. They use the word allumer la lumière, which means to light the light. Well, according to the Jewish law, you're not allowed to light a match on Sunday, I, I guess. So these, these people who wanted to honor the Sabbath, bless their hearts for wanting to do that, would have had their houses intricately set up with automatic light switches so that they could, on the Sabbath, which is Friday night and then Saturday morning, and then all day Saturday, so that they wouldn't have to touch a light switch to turn it on or off because they had an intricate uh, system of, of electricity to turn on and turn off lights at certain times so that on the Sabbath they didn't have to turn on and off things. I just want you to know some people go to extreme lengths to get very, very legalistic about what it means to do good and not to do good on the Sabbath. Remember, Jesus dealt with that quite a bit in the Gospels. But here we have, we have a reminder from Paul about, the, about how we need to be, be wise ourselves but not be judgmental about the Sabbath. So let's look at that before we get into the text of, of, of uh, uh, Exodus 20. Look with me, please, at Romans chapter 4, verse 5. I mean, Romans 14, pardon me, Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day above another, Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and none dies to himself. We all live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we die or whether we live, we are the Lord's. The important thing for us to think about this morning is when we talk about the Sabbath day, which I believe is the first day of the, has become the first day of the week, which is Sunday in, in how we uh, uh, commemorate things. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, is let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. God does not want you to be a milk toast or have a, have a noodle backbone. He wants you to be convinced. You need to be convinced in your own mind. But then watch out about being judgmental of other people who are not convinced exactly the same way you are. Amen? About the Sabbath. So, going back then to, to uh, Exodus chapter 20, I'd like to look at Exodus 20 in... Um, Look at the command first. Look at whose day it is. And then look at creation lessons on the, on the, on the, the, uh, the, the Sabbath commandment. 
and then give some suggestions or ideas for making the Sabbath day or the, or the Lord's day special, and then talk about how that fits in with Jesus Christ. So going back then to Exodus 20, verse, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Holy is not in opposition to work, right? They say, well, if it, we, holy is in opposition to profane. Profane means uh, vulgar, regular, just another day of the week like any other day. Holy means set apart, sanctified, given to the Lord. It's not your day, it's his day. It's called the Lord's day. He's actually named himself according to that. So it's a very, very interesting concept. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it set apart. If you turn, please, to Leviticus, which is right after Exodus, Leviticus chapter... Leviticus... Let me find my... I've lost myself in my notes. Um, Leviticus chapter 10... Verse, uh, verse uh, 10, it says, that you may be, it says, not to drink wine or intoxicating drink. Again, one, one example of making ourselves special unto the Lord. Verse 10, that you may d- distinguish between the holy and the unholy, between the unclean and the clean, then that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which, which the Lord your God has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Some people have thought, I'm so special that I don't have to work. No, that's not what it talks about. Because six days you shall work. Part of, the, part, of being a, part of the created being is that you ought to work six days. But the seventh, you ought to rest. By the way, God, God has the privilege and opportunity to tell you what to do. This morning, a young man, a young boy, two-year-old boy, named Micah, did not want his mom to tell him what to do. And he said no repeatedly. Okay, you can understand that, right? We sometimes say no to God. God has a right to tell us we must work six days as much as is possible with us, and we must rest one day. That's what he's saying here. Six days you shall labor, and the seventh you shall rest. So God, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God has given us this command for our good. We need rest. Our bodies need rest. Our souls need rest. And that's why he's given us the Sabbath day. Now, it's called the Lord's Day. Look at verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. It's his day. He set it aside. Look at the end of verse 11. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Whether you make the Sabbath special or not doesn't matter. He's made it special. He's set it apart. It's His day. He's blessed it. Every week we have the privilege and honor of coming into the blessing of the Sabbath of the Lord. We're going to talk about how to make that day special. It's very important that we try to do that because it's good for our health, it's good for our bodies, it's good for us to teach our children and the children that are committed to us, such as we did this morning, the child dedication. You have children committed to the church to raise up and to teach in the 
in the things of the Lord. So whose day is it? It's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. It's not our day. Now the interesting thing is we have the one commandment here where God goes back to creation. As you know, before the fall, before Adam and Eve fell, they ate the fruit and were cast out of the Garden of Eden. A number of things happened. One thing that happened is marriage was given to us before the fall. So it's good for a man to be married to a wife. In fact, the Bible says, he who has found a wife has found a good thing and obtained favor from the Lord. Man, we've been married 31 years. The longer I live, the more I see God's gracious hand all over marriage, all over my love that he gave me. You know, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, right? So sometimes us men, we don't like getting help. We think we can do it ourselves. But God gives us a helper. He knows what he's doing. Before the fall, we needed help, men. Before the fall, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and the seventh he rested. So here, I'm going to read it again from Exodus chapter 20, verse uh, 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Isn't it amazing that God, who doesn't even need to sleep at all, took a whole day off and rested? And he did that for you and for me as an example so that we could then live for him. So God limits our work days to six if we think we're going to make more money and we're going to do better for our family working seven days a week. We're wrong. Right? God wants us to work six days and he's going to give us the rest we need for our soul the seventh day. Secondly, he gives us, he sets the example by resting on the seventh day. And let's look at Genesis 2 just to read what the Bible says about that because God himself on the, in the parable in the, uh, in the Ten Commandments refers to it, so we may as well refer to it too. In Genesis 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had done, which God had created and made. Amazing thing, amazing thing. As I was handwriting this this morning, or actually uh, in preparation for this, I was no- noticing in, 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 um, in, uh, ex- in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, In six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. If you've ever lived by the ocean, the ocean is pretty much of an awesome thing, isn't it? When some of us go on vacation by the ocean, we're pretty far from the ocean here, aren't we? Does it take, what, at least 15 hours to get to any ocean <laughs> from where we are? We're in the Midwest, right? 
But when you get to the ocean and you see the constant waves, you see the seashells, you, you see maybe the ships off, off in the distance, you hear the, the birds uh, going, after, going after fish. And, and the ocean is a very awesome thing. God made the entire ocean. He made everything in it in six days, and he was able to rest the seventh day. It's good to keep that in mind, as well as all the heavens and the earth. And by, by the way, those things, the heavens, the earth, and the oceans, <clears throat> excite science even to this very day. You have scientists who are all into oceanography, and they never uh, fulfill the depths of what, what they learn about the oceans. Same with astronomers. They look up into the heavens, and they find new things all the time. And they're amazed about this black hole and that black hole and this star and that star dying, that star coming to life, this asteroid coming by, and they're going to start telling us stuff about what's going to happen to our weather because of an asteroid, or, or people even try to, to telescope themselves to an asteroid. Strangely enough, very rich people want to do that. Amazing. Um, so we, we, have, we, have, we have a mystery involved in this. Going back then to... Uh, to the, the last verse in, in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Exodus 20, 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all is in them, but he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Now why do we as Christians, why do we as Christians hallow the first day of the week? If you look at the calendar, the first day of the week is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the seventh day of the week. And it is. It's the Sabbath day. When Jesus died and rose again, he died, he rose again on the seventh, on the first day of the week. My grandfather used to call it Resurrection Day. Every time we come together for church, like we are this morning, we're coming together commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. By the way, he really died and he really rose again. He was really dead for your sins and mine. And he really rose again. When he rose, he rose again on the first day of the week. Amen? And if you figure that out, he died on Friday. So Friday was day one. Saturday was day two. And he rose the third day of the week, day three, which, is, which was the, uh, the Sunday. So let's look at that, please, if we can, in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 28. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Something so so easy to, to overlook. Verse 28, uh, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So there we have the first day of the week. Look at Mark chapter 16, please. Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And then look at John, John, please. John chapter 20, 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So there we have, we have the first day of the week when Jesus rose again from the dead. Now you might ask yourself, how can... The Sabbath be over, and it be three days later when it's the first day of the week. <clears throat> that, that's, that's kind of a, an, interest, an interesting thing. In the Jewish way of counting days, Friday was day one. Friday was the beginning of the Sabbath. Remember, the, and 
Saturday was day two, and day three was the first day of the week, so that's how it was able to work out that way. There's a few verses, there's a few good verses about worshiping Jesus on the Sabbath. Let's look, please, if we can, in our Bibles at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so also, I, so you all must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one lay aside something, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. They met the first day of the week. They took the collection the first day of the week. Back in Acts chapter 20, verse 8. Acts 20, verse 8. Actually, verse 7, Acts 20, verse 7. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. They met the first day of the week. I, we actually had Seventh-day Adventists come into our church in Quebec and hand out pamphlets against worshiping on Sunday. And I said, I was one of the leaders in the church. This was quite a while ago. And I said, uh, this is not appropriate, you know, you need to leave. And uh, we actually had to leave, and then I met with him, and he was explaining why they met on the seventh, seventh day of the week. It, it's very, very uh, unusual. I don't know if you've had that interchange yourselves. Uh, maybe, fortunately not. Look at, please, at Revelation chapter 1. So the first day of the week is what? The first day of the week is, a, is a, the, the day that people come together to worship. It's a resurrection day. It's a day that they give tithes and offerings, and it's a day that we must come together, that, that we also must come together to worship. Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, when um, John the Apostle was worshiping the Lord on the first day of the week. He called it the Lord's Day. Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now, where was he? He was in an island with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of prisoners. Right now that island is not far from the archipelago, all the islands where the people are leaving Turkey and heading toward Greece. Right now all these immigrants that are coming across, they're heading in that same area. One of these islands was where John was stuck. So he had all kinds of prisoners around him, and yet he was worshiping on the Lord's Day. He was setting it aside as special, and God gave him the book of Revelations. Amen? For our benefit and for our good. So we need to remember that we need to keep the, the, the Sabbath day special. God limits our work days. He gives us an example. And as we trust in his sovereignty, he will help us when we keep, keep the first day of the week special, especially as we have opportunity to here in our country. I know in countries like in Russia, they don't have necessarily first day of the week special. They force people to work seven days a week and they have to worship at night and in the evenings. So it depends on the culture and the context and the people. Amen. Very much. We're so grateful that we have a country that was based on Judeo-Christian values where we valued Saturday and Sunday as a day off. Now how can you make the Sabbath day special? Let's, let me give you some, some very good ideas or some ideas that I want to 
put out to you so you can make the Sabbath day special. One is to wake up to godly music. Do you know how important it is to wake up to Christian music? My dad used to put Handel's Messiah on the phonograph we had. And we would wake up and hear and hear Handel's Messiah. The wonderful introduction and then, uh, and then Isaiah 40, um, speak peace to my people. We would hear that every Sunday morning. 5K, just wonderful. Make it a special day for Christ, for crying out loud. Don't listen to secular music on Sunday. Why would you do that? Why would you fill your mind with, on that day with stuff you have all the rest of the week? Have a special breakfast if you can. Dads, help out your wife. Do something special for your wife uh, and for your kids maybe on, uh, on Sunday. My dad sometimes used to go get, get um, a croissant au beurre in France or donuts like at Lamar's Donuts or something. Go get something special so your wife doesn't have to work so hard for breakfast maybe. Make it special for your kids. Make it a special day set aside. You're going to go to church that day. We actually wear special clothing. It's, it, it's okay to dress down a little bit, but we wear special clothing on Sunday. Why? It's a special day. We, we, we dress differently. We talk differently. We listen to different kind of music. We may, not, we may even turn off the TV and not watch the ball game coming uh, when you go home because that completely, uh, in my estimation, can completely break the spirit of a Sunday to have some ball game going on or, or, or a golfing tournament or something else going on. I'm just being honest. Make it special. Whatever is in your mind to make it special. Whatever the Holy Spirit teaches you to do. I don't mean to be meddling now, but I am. Make it special. Make it special. Is Sunday like any other day of the week to you? Do you not even care? We have to make it special, right? Set, set our minds on God. Set it apart. Hallow your Sunday. God has already hallowed it. He's already blessed it. You need to bless it too. Follow his example. Turn off the TV, maybe. Have special family activities, perhaps. You know how your wife longs for you men to spend good time with your, with your kids and to just care about them and love on them? Maybe love on your family. The church is your family. We're going to have supper here, uh, lunch here after, after the meal. Lo- love on the church. Love on the people in the church. Care about them. Get to know them. Hallow the first day of the week. Make it a special day. Spend time with your family. I want each one of you who are men especially, maybe ladies too if you're, if you're head, head of the home or you're helping head up the home, to think about how you can make Sunday special. Maybe you have, and if you have, amen, keep it up. But if you haven't, if you haven't even thought about it, why should Sunday be any, any other special day? Because God has hallowed it. He has set it aside. He raised his son from the dead on that day. Can you pray and ask God to help you how to make it special for you and for your family? You know what's hard for me to do? It's hard for me not to look at news on my cell phone. I'm addicted to news sometimes, my wife will say, or she knows. And I'm constantly looking at news. You know, I I have to put that aside. Put the news aside and just focus on Jesus. Focus on the Lord. Put him first. But most importantly is to have rest in Christ. Jesus is our ultimate rest. Let me me look with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. 
Hebrews chapter 4. Our ultimate rest is not on this earth. Our ultimate rest is in heaven. The word Sabbath means rest. Our ultimate rest is in heaven. In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, the world, Jesus says. There is a way in which this world is tough and hard. It's not easy. And we have one struggle after another. It never ends. But guess what? Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the world to come. That's where our rest is. That's where our goal is. Our goal is not for a better world necessarily. Our goal is to live for Jesus so that when he comes back, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Is that your hope? Is that your joy? Is that your crown? Are you really waiting for Jesus to come back? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, there remains, verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I'll read verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have, uh, ha- then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I assure you, and I'm, I'm speaking to you right now, some of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not waiting for rest. It is not rest. Eternity in hell is not rest. It's it's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is worse than work, by the way. But heavenly rest, we have a heavenly rest. And that's what we look forward to in Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes our rest. He is our hope. He is our purpose. He is what we strive to be like and to exemplify. Look at Romans chapter 1. I mean, Romans chapter 5, please. And I'm going to end with this. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, as we consider, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. As we consider the rest that we need, the most important rest we have is peace with God. Peace with God. He can give you rest of soul. Because some people have troubled souls. And even we as Christians, as Brother Darren mentioned in, in prayer, in his prayer for the, the parents, you know, you're going you're gonna to sin against your children and you're going to have to apologize to them. As a father or a mother, you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have slapped you that way. Or I shouldn't have gotten mad at you. I said the words I did. And you apologize to your children because your children are human beings. And God forgives, amen? He forgives. Troubled soul, there is peace with God found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He ultimately is our Sabbath rest. Do you have Sabbath rest with him? Is he your rest, rest for your soul? He will help you. If you trust in him sovereignly, put your faith and trust in him. Maybe, Christian, you don't know how to deal with the Sabbath day. To you, it's just another day of the week. Maybe you might have to work on Sunday for one reason or another. And that happens. Sometimes I feel like I'm working every day of the week. But God is gracious, amen, and those in the ministry feel that way. So it's good, by the way, to give your, your, your pastor a, a, a Sabbath rest every now and then. Amen? I'm, I'm all for that. I didn't think I, I needed that until I almost burned out. Literally almost burned out. I was a pastor up in Manitoba. And I was going nonstop. And I thought it was so important. 
And I was always in the pulpit and always trying to lead everything. And then the Holy Spirit showed me I needed some time off. So praise the Lord for your pastor who knows that in advance. He's, he's a seasoned man of God. Amen. Looking at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because the blood of Jesus has baptized you, and you are made just, you are clothed in his righteousness, not a righteousness of your own, but his righteousness, therefore being justified by faith, we have, as a result of that, the instrumentality of the, of the atonement, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God this morning? That's the most important thing we can have. He is our Sabbath rest. He fulfilled the Sabbath perfectly. And if we mess up, if we, don't, if we work too hard, or we don't work hard enough, or we don't set aside the Sabbath like we ought to, He is our forgiveness. He is our peace. He is our hope. Amen? Have you found hope in Him? There is no other place for hope. Therefore, being justified, made righteous by faith, putting our faith in Him. What does that mean? We just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart. I repent of the evil I've done. I have sinned against you. You say, what is sin? The Ten Commandments, we just read it. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet, and then all the rest. God can forgive us of those things and make us righteous, Justified means we are righteous just like God. Won't you bow your heads with me right now? Christian, I really, the church is for Christians to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, Jesus said. Have you obeyed the commandment of the Sabbath? Have you exemplified before your family like God exemplified to us that the Sabbath is holy in your home? Men, I'm talking to you. Is the Sabbath holy in your home? Is it set apart? Is it sanctified? If it's not, ask God to help you sanctify the Sabbath. An unsaved person this morning, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't repented and confessed, if you don't have peace with God, please right now, ask Him to be your Sabbath rest. He will give you rest for your soul. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Will you make him your Sabbath rest? Ask him to forgive you right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life. I want to live for you. Help me. I fall short. But thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.